to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening session of Sunday the 25th of January 2009, entitled Confidence Amidst the Crisis, and the Bible reading is taken from John chapter 17, verses 1 to 26. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. I want to read through this prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ. I invite you to stand with me to honor the reading taken from John chapter 17, beginning in verse 1. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him, and this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, in Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me. They have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, <coughs> and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. And all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee. Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have. I have kept, and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the Scripture might be fulfilled. And now I come to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest Take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, 
that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved me as thou hast loved me, and loved them as thou hast loved me. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. Father, again, we thank you for your word. We pray now that you would just help us, meet with us, speak to us that which would, Lord, find a resting place at each heart tonight. May your work be accomplished for your glory alone. Amen and amen. I said this morning, as you'll find in your bulletin, that we would be talking this evening about confidence amidst the crises. Now, we hear every day about crises. We live in a day when that's the front page news. You can't read the headlines. You can't turn on a, a news program on the TV or the radio without hearing about all the crises that we're facing, whether it be the economic crises, and I'm sure that you've all heard officially this week, officially, we know that we're now in recession. We've been hearing about a downturn in the economy all this time. Well, finally, it's official. We've been there long enough that it becomes a full-blown recession. And of course, we can listen to all these that have all the knowledge of these things, and some talk about it being lasting uh, a short time and some a long time and uh, somehow deep it's going and some of, of depressions and all these different things. And basically, folks, the economy is not in good shape, not just in Great Britain, but the economies of the world are not in good shape. And of course, we can look at people's faces and you can literally see the strain in many people's faces. Many people are worried. They're concerned because many are losing their jobs. Prices are rising. Many are wondering how they're going to, to make it through. Not just those that are employed, but many are wondering how their businesses will survive, how they'll be able to come out the other side. I read somewhere, and I, I don't know who to give credit for it because it was just a note that I'd made in, in many of my notes it says, don't read the morning paper if you want to have a happy day. Don't read the evening paper if you want to sleep without nightmares. <laughs> and don't look at the TV or listen to the radio unless you want to be depressed. Um, the truth is, is just that there doesn't seem to be much good news around us. And of course, the truth is this evening is that for the unbeliever, for those that do not have 
a true faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and they're looking at this through what we would call sin-dimmed eyes. It doesn't look very good at all. And they can't see much hope. And of course, as they are looking at the world and the situation, and that's all that they have to count on and to depend upon, then they do have every reason in the world to be despairing, to be discouraged, to even be depressed. But for the believer, you see, it's a different story for us. And the real truth is, is that we've been instructed in God's words. We know a truth that goes beyond this world. We know that we have within us God in the person of the Holy Spirit that will give us a different light than this world has, that will illumine these things in a way that the world cannot see. And of course, we know that truly if there's going to be any confidence amidst all the crises that we live in, then that confidence is going to be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Many times it's easy to look back and say, boy, the other Christians had it so much easier. Wouldn't it have been nice to have been one of the apostles to have walked with Jesus, to have been there in their days? You know, we won't go into detail, but you don't have to do a whole lot of searching to find out that uh, the apostles didn't have very bright prospects in their life. We find that the apostles that our Lord Jesus Christ left behind, they were certainly uh, in a world that was full of its own woes at that time as well. We find that they were certainly in the midst of a world that just as surely as our world today that was out of joint with God. <laughs> we find that we know that as we really begin to study that the greatest need of their day is really no different than the greatest need of our day. It really isn't for higher wages, better jobs. It's not for the affluence that maybe we see in others, but it's for forgiveness of sin. It's for a nearness of fellowship with God. And the truth is, is that we do have a strength to get us through these crises that we don't need to panic. We don't need to worry. You know, the, I don't know of anybody that wants to see things get tougher and harder, that wants to get by on, on less money, uh, that wants to have to be concerned over the economics of where their bills are going to be paid and sometimes even the very meals that are going to go on the table. But I'm saying the truth is, is that we don't need to panic. We can have confidence amidst this world's crises. And the truth is, I said just as we talked about this morning, that it should be a sign to us. It should be evidence to us that our Lord is soon returning. You know that, of course, for years and years and years, I guess that almost every new political leader that has come on the, uh, the scene, that uh, somebody's figured out how they can get 666 out of his name usually, that uh, uh, he's going to uh, to be the... Uh, the Antichrist, <laughs> the truth is, is the Antichrist very well could be alive today. The truth is, is that the economies, the world's economies are going to get into a state whereby 
it will be the answer to form a one world government, to have one currency worldwide, to have one market that, that is controlled by the Antichrist, by Satan. The truth is that's going to happen. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't really want to stop it. <laughs> Why would I want to stop it? It's going to happen. And the truth is, is that I believe for you and for me that before that mark of the beast comes, we're going to be out of here if we're believers. If we've got our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, God's going to be doing a great work here on this earth still. But I don't believe that we'll be here for that. We can look at many passages. We can see that the world that the apostles left was not an easy world. They had the same problems that John told about in 1 John 2, 6, and that's all about the pride of life and the lust of the flesh. People weren't very different. The apostles were an unwanted lot. The world didn't want them once they were identified with the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ had warned that they were going to be sheep amongst the wolves. The truth is that what they believed, they believe so sincerely and so genuinely that at least 11 of the 12, from everything we can gather, left this world in a way that none of us would want to leave. They were tortured. Their lives were taken from them because of who they were and what they believed and what they stood upon. We say it was so much easier then. Folks, it wasn't easier. Man's needs have never really changed that much. But I want to give you something this evening that ought to give you real confidence. Missed all the crises, not only the economic ones, but we look at the Middle East and we see all the, the fighting that's going on and we can come up with all the reasons that we really don't see peace coming to that region anytime soon. We find that battles are literally being fought all over this world. But amidst all this crisis, you know, here in the Gospel of John, chapter 17, this is a prayer that the Lord Jesus prayed. And if you look at the early verses here, we find that Jesus, in talking to his Father, he's speaking very much. You know, the Lord God Almighty had given him power over all flesh that he said that he would be able to give this eternal life to as many as would believe on his name. That's a promise. He's got this power, and he's able to give everyone that will put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that will believe upon him, to give them this life everlasting. So the world can't take that from you. And, of course, we look down and, and, and we see that this was a prayer that was prayed, yes, for his apostles that he was living and walking with there. But that's not the only ones that he prayed it for. We find that in verse 20 he said, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Now be honest with, you, with me tonight. How many of you genuinely in your heart Believe in the power of prayer. 
Believe in the power of prayer. How many of you can have faith and confidence in the prayers that you pray? Because that you can ask those things in the name of Jesus Christ. How much confidence can you have in the prayers of your brothers and sisters in Christ? Because they can pray those prayers in the name of Jesus Christ Himself. Do you know that even the worst infidel, even the greatest heathens, you let them come right down to it when they get in a situation of crises. <laughs> the thing is, is that more times than not, they cry out for help. Many times the very words off of their tongue, without even thinking about it, would be calling out to God. But the truth is, those prayers I wouldn't count on getting very far. <laughs> but the believer has a confidence. And we can have confidence in these times in our prayers, in the prayers of other Christians. But what I want to remind you this evening is that if you can have any confidence in anybody's prayer, surely it's a prayer that Jesus Christ Himself prayed for you. Now, we know that Jesus Christ is there. He is our intercessor. He's right there on our behalf right now. But I'm saying this is a prayer that Jesus, when He knew that He was not going to be walking upon this earth in the flesh any longer, when He knew that He was leaving this world, He knew, even as we read in this prayer, that He was not going to forsake us. He prayed for you and I, all of those that would believe. And if there is any power in prayer, I just want to point out just a couple of things because there's so much that we could look at in this chapter. But I want you to notice, first of all, in verse 15, what Jesus prayed for you. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. Now, how many of you have heard before the thought that we're not, we're in the world but not of the world? Well, you won't find that together as one verse that you're in the world but not of the world. But it is a summarization of a couple of things that Jesus Christ points out right here in this passage. And a couple of them have been up there on the overhead. Jesus said, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Speaking about us, his followers. But notice he also said, as thou hast sent me into the world, even so I have also sent them into the world. We are in the world, but we are not of this world. And we can take confidence in that. Notice that here in verse 15, he doesn't pray that you should be taken out of the world but he prays that you should be kept from the evil. Now, Jesus had, had warned his followers already of what they could expect to face. Peter had voiced in John chapter 13 in verse 37 as we were coming up to that great speech that Jesus made in the upper room, but why cannot I follow thee now? Why can't I come with you right now, Jesus? We find that as Jesus prays this prayer, 
We know that even part of the promise that he that he makes, that he prays to God as he comes towards the end of this prayer, that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am. That's the promise we talked about this morning. There's a time when we are going to come face to face with him. The reality is right now in our flesh, we are not with the Lord Jesus Christ in person. But He is within us in the person of the Holy Spirit. He hasn't forsaken us. But we find here that Jesus is praying for them while they are in this world. Not that they would be removed from it, but that they would be kept from the evil. This carries some pretty good assurances. Now, literally, the word that's translated here, evil, in your Bible is literally speaking of a personal, the evil one, literally you could say. You see the evil that is all around us. There is one person, our one enemy that is responsible, and that's Satan himself. You see, it goes even further. The assurance says that it's not just the results around us, but even Satan himself, the cause of all that we see that is a result of the sin of this world. Jesus Christ prayed, that we would be kept from it. You know, he made that promise in Matthew chapter 28, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. All the spiritual defenses that you and I have, all the resources that are at our disposal through the Lord Jesus Christ, they are adequate. They are sufficient for all that we will ever need. We've never been promised anywhere in God's Word that we would have a calm passage, that we wouldn't face the storms, that there wouldn't be troubles. But we have been promised a safe landing. <coughs> there may be storms along the way, but we have been promised. You know that <laughs> how many of you remember reading of the storms in God's Word? How many of you remember reading of those storms when Jesus himself calmed the seas? I guarantee you there's one thing you've never read about. You never read about a boat sinking while Jesus was on board, praise God. No one ever sank while Jesus was on board. The truth is, is Jesus on board with you? Are you on board with him this evening? Is he part of your life? The seas may get very rough, but you'll never sink. You know that I read somewhere one time, and I'll be quite honest, I've never gone through and counted them individually, but I was told that there was like 365 fear knots in the Bible, one for every day of the year. But you know, every one of those fear knots are to the believers. They're all to the believers. They're all to those that are following the Lord. The unbeliever doesn't have that comfort. The unbeliever doesn't have any fear knots in his life. As a matter of fact, he has much to tremble over. Not only his home and his car and his things that might be in jeopardy in this life, but his eternity is in jeopardy. We find that we spoke this morning of Stephen. Stephen didn't have an easy passage from this life. 
saw, but he landed on the other shore. He was rejoicing with the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus Christ himself prayed that you, you, each and every believer this evening, regardless of what Christ sees that you might be in, regardless of what happens to the economy and everything else, if you're one of his, he has prayed that you be kept from the evil and the evil one and all that's related to that. To be kept. If Jesus prayed that you'd be kept, then I believe that you'll be kept. Notice, secondly, we could spend more time, but notice in verse 17 something else that he prayed for you, believer. He said, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Now, just be honest with me. Who here tonight? Who here tonight that has put your faith and trust in Christ, that knows that you're a born-again Christian, has found the Christian life to be in the easiest thing you've ever done? Matter of fact, who's found it to be easy at all? Who's found it to be easy to stand up and be a witness to every human being that you come face-to-face with, to be counted genuinely as a follower of Christ? To many Christians, like we saw this morning, also like Peter. Oh, it's all words. Lord, I would never do that. I'd never betray you. Let him throw me in prison. Let him take my life. I wouldn't do that. But when it came right down to it, he just wanted to blend in with the world and the crowd. He didn't want to be identified as one of those Jesus followers. Truth is, it's not easy to stand up and be counted for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not easy not to be of this world. We are in this world, but folks, we're not to be of this world. Jesus Christ prayed to sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Why do you think the devil wants to keep you away from this book so much? Why do you think he wants to give you so many things to do in your life tomorrow that you won't have time? You won't have time to spend time with him and his word. Why do you think that he wants so many things to come in your life that you don't have time to be in God's house when his word is being preached and taught? Why? Because he knows what God's word, the truth, does to you. What does he say there? Sanctify them through thy truth. Now, what does that mean? Well, you can look up the word sanctify and you can can find all kinds of things like to make holy, to purify, to free from sin. But most of you have heard the primary meaning of sanctifying is to separate, to set apart. Literally in Scripture it means to set apart for God's use, for His divine use. Now, notice with me if you would in Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. Notice what it says there in verse 14. He says, Who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity. Listen, you've been redeemed, child of God. Listen, and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. It's not supposed to stop. 
when redemption takes place. That's a beginning point, not a finishing point. It's where our new life begins, and we're to be set apart. And it's God's Word that will do that for us. We find that the Bible gives us many places, and there's many passages that we could turn to. This same Peter, the one that we saw weeping this morning, notice what he later wrote in 1 Peter chapter 1 and in verse 15. He says, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Literally, in all that you do. Not just your words, but your conduct is what that word carries with it. We should be holy in all of our actions and everything about us. You see, set apart for God's use. We're not of this world. And something's wrong if we look like the world, if we smell like the world, if we act like the world, and yet we're supposed to be being set apart. Jesus Christ, preacher, that's too hard. I know it's hard. But the truth is what I want you to grasp, even in the crises all around us, in the world that we're living in, when morality has gone out the window, when the majority of the people that you meet won't want to have anything to do with your God whatsoever. I'm saying that Jesus Christ has already prayed for you. If you will give yourself to Him, you can be sanctified by His truth. Yes, the devil's going to fight you. Yes, he's going to try to keep you from that Word. Yes, he's going to try to keep you from it in your personal time. He's going to try to keep you out of God's house. But if you really, if you're really walking with Him, if you believe there's anything to our faith whatsoever, Surely we have to believe in the prayer of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, sanctification speaks of separation. Separation from what? From sin. Not trying to hang on to it, but separation from sin. Separation from selfishness. Separation from worldliness. It speaks of holiness. You know that holiness, saint, and sanctify are all derived from the same Greek root that signifies separation. All of those words come from the same root. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, he says in verse 14, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. 
I'm saying this evening that in this world, we are in this world, but folks, we are not of this world. And Jesus Christ Himself has prayed that you would be kept from the evil, from the evil one, and that you would be set apart for God's use. Do you believe that God has a power even that you don't? We find that He encourages us here. We find that the believer is surrounded with evil all around him. There is much evil in this world where we are, but we're not of it. I use this illustration. <laughs> Again, when, when I was a youngster, I used to spend a lot of time on the lakes. I loved boating and I loved fishing. I loved just being out there. But also where I come from is a, a subtropical climate. Many times these horrendous thunderstorms and lightning, I mean, they can just, the skies be clear and then just all of a sudden, I mean, the lightning's flashing and everything's dark and you're in the midst of a storm and you're out in the middle of a lake somewhere. And it can be frightening. Those craft can, can, can start being knocked around all over the place. The truth is, is that as boatsmen. You see, you can be in the sea. What you don't want to be is of the sea. <laughs> you can be in the sea in that boat. What you don't want to be is out of the boat. <laughs> be of the sea. The foul weather can come. The waters can get all troubled. Matter of fact, I've seen situations where the rain came down and it was coming down so hard that we were trying to bail the water out of the boat <laughs> because it was getting pretty deep around the ankles. Now what happens if the water builds up in the boat? The boat goes farther down. Now the truth is, is if you just sit back and let it, let that water build up in there, eventually it's going to come to a point where the boat's going to sink. Sometimes we've got to bail some water out. Sometimes the storms can get rough. But the truth is, is we're in the boat, and Jesus is there with us. And no boat's ever sank with Jesus on it. We are in the world just as that boat is in the sea, but you don't have to be of it. Jesus Christ has prayed for you to be sanctified. Do you know that that's part of what even we as a church here, as our Baptist forefathers have for year, for years, that's part of what we set aside as, as one of the things that differentiates us from many others is that we believe in a church membership that is born again and set apart for God. Sanctification and, and church membership have a lot to do with each other. You're supposed to be walking with God. That's what it's for. And to build us up and to help us be one in this world. Jesus has prayed that you be from the evil. Jesus has prayed that you would be sanctified through the truth. Will you let the truth sanctify? Do you really want to be separate from the world? Do you want to be set aside for use by Him? You know what that cost the apostles? We know that it cost them their lives. Are we really willing? Do we want to pay the price? Do we want to be a separate people? Do we want to blend in like Peter did? Jesus prayed that you be separated 
Notice what else he prayed for you in verse 22. John chapter 17 and verse 22 says, And the glory which thou gavest me I have given them. What does he say? That they may be one even as we are one. Jesus Christ has prayed for your oneness. You know, you know one of the worst fears when you're in the middle of a crisis, in the middle of a storm, it's a lot worse when you're alone. <laughs> it's a lot worse when you're alone. Oh no, I'm going to die and nobody's going to know it. <laughs> Truth is, just having somebody by your side can bring tremendous comfort. Well, you've got more than just one by your side. You're never, ever alone. He's prayed that we would be as one just like He and the Father are one and that we are at one with Him. You see, if we believe what we preach, if we believe what God's Word says, as a body of Christ, we are one body made up of all the different parts with Jesus Christ as our head. Jesus Christ has prayed for our unity, for our oneness in our devotion. You see, what are we really devoted to in life? <laughs> one of the things in our oneness is that we all need to be devoted to Him. He ought to be the one that we're seeking the, the glory for. He's the one that we want to see get the credit. Not me, not you. Oneness in our motivation. Why do we do the things that we do? Why do we do what we've done today? Why will we do what we did tomorrow? You know, the early Christians, the early church had to wait until the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came down. And it was there then through that that they all were in one accord as the Holy Spirit came upon them. They were all filled with that Holy Spirit. They were like, one writer said, like 120 clocks all in perfect rhythm together. Jesus has prayed that we might be unified, that He's prayed for our oneness doesn't matter if you're a large clock or a small clock. That we be in time together. Jesus Christ is our focus. You find that you know that most of us would know what happened. If you've got a, a light bulb over there somewhere, you run a wire through that from that power source and, and you give me a switch here. What happens when I flip that switch? What does that bulb do? It lights up, doesn't it? But what about if somewhere along that line, you see, there's one circuit. It's oneness. You know, one of the first things that they taught me in electronic engineering is at any point along that line, it, it, it's all the same. You know, you might have the a... A, a bottom connecting point to a capacitor over here and a resistor over here and a battery over here. But there's one common point that all those are connected. There's a oneness. What happens if you cut that wire between the switch and the light bulb? You can flip that switch all you want. Nothing's going to happen to that light. You see, the truth is the Holy Spirit can't work through unbroken fellowship. In our oneness, 
when we're all together, the Holy Spirit can work in our midst, and His power can flow through all of us together. But when that fellowship is broken, He's no longer able to flow through the whole body anymore. It's been broken. But Jesus Christ has prayed for our oneness, our oneness with each other, our oneness with Him and the Father, all of us together. I find that so many times people toss around the term, well, we just have to agree to differ. The problem is a lot of times what they really mean is we're going to disagree for the rest of our lives. <laughs> they don't really mean that we're going to agree to differ. I'm never going to let you forget that. <laughs> we sometimes allow such insignificant things to make such a significant difference in our lives. I could say much more, but our time is leaving. I want to give you one other thing. You see, Jesus Christ, you can have confidence amid all the crises that we're in right now. And I know some of you are worried. I know that some of our members are out of work and, and, and don't have jobs and, and don't know where the next work is coming from. We see people all around us that are in difficult times. I'm saying, folks, there's bad things happening in the world and we're in this world, but we're not of this world. You can have confidence amidst all that's going on around us. You can have that confidence because Jesus himself has prayed that you be kept, that you be kept from the evil, from the evil one, and all that's responsible for that. Jesus Christ himself has prayed that you might be separated from that world, that you might be set apart for God's use, that you might be sanctified by his truth. That can be a reality in your life. You don't have to be a part of that world and what's going on in it. Jesus Christ has prayed for a oneness for you, not with the world, to be separated from that world and all that's happening there, but to be at one with each other and one with Him. Yes, to be in the world, but to make a difference in this world. Jesus Christ has prayed also in verse 23. He said, I in them and thou in me that they may be made perfect in one. Now there's a whole lot here. There's a whole lot that could be said here. <laughs> one thing is for sure, when God's dealing with people like me, He's dealing with an awful lot of imperfection. <laughs> and for some of us, the challenge is greater than others. But if we're all honest, He's got some imperfections in all of us to deal with. And some immaturities. Many times when we find that when the Bible speaks of perfection, He's speaking of our maturity. Sometimes we just need to grow up and quit acting like children, quit behaving like children. <coughs> we should know better. We find that in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, it says, Be ye perfect even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. He's commanded us to be perfect, to be mature, to grow. Be spiritually mature is literally what he's speaking about there. But he not only commanded it of us, but then he turned around and prayed for it. I'm saying, do you struggle sometimes? Do you struggle with spiritual things? 
Is it sometimes so very hard when all the practical things are building up? Is it pretty hard when the money's not in the bank to pay the bills? Is it pretty hard when you don't understand all the, the difficult things that are going on in your life? Is it pretty hard to look at it from a spiritual standpoint sometimes? I'm saying the problem is a lot of times, excuse me, we act like two-year-olds in our spiritual lives. You know, what does a two-year-old want to start doing when he doesn't get his way? Screaming and banging and panting. And, you know, as parents, sometimes you've got to do a little disciplining to learn that child that that's not the way you should go about getting things in this life. But yet we turn right around as grown-ups in our spiritual lives, and we do the exact same thing sometimes. We just pout and sling our arms and scream and shout because we haven't had our way. The truth is, you know that there aren't many children that would know how to handle the economic crises that we're in, the moral crises that we're in, the crises around this world that you want to name. We look to grown-ups to deal with those things. Well, I mean, we've been commanded to be grown up in our Christian lives, to be mature. And Jesus Christ has prayed for that maturity, that they may be made perfect, that they might be spiritually mature. I find that, you know, the apostles were pretty immature they were pretty immature in Gethsemane. They were pretty immature at the crucifixion. But you know, there was a time when they did come together in their oneness, when they were set apart from this world. And there was something that was different about them. They were kept from the evil one. Yes, in the end, May have cost them their physical lives. But those same apostles that were so immature, but you know, I'm glad they were immature in their early apostolic days because it helped to answer a lot of the questions for the stupid things that I've done. Whoa, that's what God said about that. <laughs> I'm glad that Peter had a way of just absolutely opening his mouth and inserting his foot in such a big way. Because when I've done that, it helps me to look and say, oh, that's where I should have kept my mouth shut. I shouldn't have did that. But here's what God does about it. See, they had their immaturities. When Jesus Christ was hanging on the cross, where were they to be found? In the end, we know that John was there with his mother and whatnot. Where were all the others? Where had they gone? we find that there was a maturing in their life. and God used them greatly. Jesus Christ has prayed, and we could look at so many passages, Jesus has prayed for mine and your spiritual maturity. He's always worked with imperfect people, and He's still working with imperfect people today. Isn't that the biggest problem that we have in a church? You want to know why this church isn't packed and overfilling tonight, even as we gather here? 
You want to know why that we're not having to knock out the walls and, and build bigger? We like to blame it on the world and say the world just doesn't care. But no, the truth is, because we're a bunch of imperfect people, God's still the same God. God could turn this city upside down. Jesus Christ has prayed that we would be spiritually mature. I've made a lot of dumb mistakes in my life. Right now in the middle of this crisis, though, I want to have the mind of the Lord. I want to have His wisdom. I want to have His courage. I want to have His confidence. We find that that's really the our hope in the midst of all of this, and that's the hope of our church this evening, that we would be a spiritually mature people, that we would be at one with one another. We find that in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, the Bible says, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be, there's that word again, perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. You see, that we might be perfect, truly or thoroughly able to be used of God, for His work to be able to be accomplished within us. We find also just a few pages over in your Bible in the book of Hebrews chapter 12 as we come to a close this evening. Hebrews chapter 12. Notice what he says in verse 6. He says, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Your children never need correcting. Your children never need disciplining. Sure, just like we did. Sometimes that's what God has to do to us, to get us to grow up, to get us to be mature. He says in verse 11, Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. You see, you're going to face something if you don't discipline your child, if you don't correct them. The day's going to come when they're going to be too big for you to correct. It's going to be too late, that which could have been accomplished while he was a child. The truth is, it's not easy for the child or the parent that some of those things take place. But the alternative is far worse. You think God gets joy out of disciplining, correcting correcting, chastening us? No. And it certainly doesn't seem joyful for us at the time. But once we've been corrected, once we have learned that in our lives, then we're thankful. We realize just how much that it was truly worth. We live in a complicated world, a world that is bristling with its problems, but we live in a world with glorious possibilities because we're in this world, folks, but we're not of this world. The problems are of the world, and we're in it. 
But there's something that's different. And these are some things that Jesus Christ himself has prayed for you. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that they will be kept. That they will be sanctified, set apart. A people that's different from the world that they will be united in oneness, one with another and with me and all that we are, that they're not drawing from the power of this world. They're at one with God Himself. That they be perfected. That they be spiritually matured. You see, the truth is we'll never understand everything, but we can keep on trusting Him. And I just want you to notice the importance because it all ties together and this is where that uh, we're going to finish tonight did you notice as we came to a close of that chapter did you notice there when Jesus was praying in verse 23 I and them and thou and me that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved me and thou hast loved me Listen, the truth is, that's the only way that our witness is going to be effective. That's the only way. We're never going to be effectively winning anyone to Christ until we're separate from the world, until we're at one with the Lord, that we are spiritually mature as individuals that the world might know who the Lord Jesus Christ is. So I know, Christians, I look around, as far as I know, everybody here tonight, you've made your profession of faith. You know the Lord Jesus Christ. If you haven't, then you ought to tonight. But the truth is, amid all the crisis and the bad times that we live in, I want to remind you, you can have confidence amid all the crises because you're not of this world, though you're in it. Jesus Christ himself has prayed some wonderful things for you, for your security, for you to be kept, for you not to go down. And the truth is, the world is going down one day. It is going down, no question about it. You're not going to stop it. I'm not. God's already proclaimed it. But we don't have to go down with it. Because we're at one with Him. Father, we thank You this evening. Lord, just in reading this passage, we're reminded of, Lord, how much confidence we can have amidst all the problems of this world. Lord, we've just looked a, a, a quick glance, Lord, a glimpse of what You have for us in that prayer. But I thank You, Lord, for loving me enough that You included me in that prayer, for loving each one here this evening enough to include them in that prayer. And I pray that as individuals and that as a church, Father, I pray that amidst all the, the decline in, in spiritual values, the decline in morals, the decline in our economies, the decline in, in just about everything uh, good that we see around us, I pray that amidst all that, Lord, that you might build a strong church here, that you might bring a, a together a people that are one together that truly can be used for your glory to accomplish something amidst all of this. And I believe with all my heart that you can do that 
But, Father, you need some consecrated people, some sold-out people, some people that mean business, not that are just playing games with the church and at the same time trying to hang on to the world. Lord, I pray that you would help us. I pray that you'd build our confidence. I pray that you'd help us to know the security that we have. But help us, Lord, to be a people that amidst all of this, that you can do great things through us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.